Well, Northside family, it's good to see you. And would you welcome everybody in our video venue in our 815 crowd that will watch this. And uh, man, so excited that you're here and uh, love that song, love the words that we describe of who God is, to take time to reflect on Him. And that is what we're doing with our Rooted series. And I, would, I just want to celebrate, not just that we're starting a new series. And uh, you know, what's funny about Northside being, you know, we got Saturday night service, then you have a couple services on Sunday. And uh, sometimes what will happen is people will switch services and you'll walk in and you'll see somebody and you go, I didn't know you go here. And then you'll really go, I didn't even know you were a Christian, you know, and, uh, and you kind of look at things and sometimes, you know, you got your Saturday crowd, you got your Sunday crowd, you don't know this stuff. And I just want to celebrate this as a Northside family. Last weekend, we set a largest non-holiday weekend record. We had 6,499 people here last week. It's un <laughs> unbelievable. Some of you are like, no, that's why I come here, so I don't have to see all of those people, right? You're like, I don't want to deal with that traffic. And uh, we celebrate that, but here's what I also know. None of us are ready to go, hey, guys, we set a record. You guys done being the church? Everybody's like, no, man. Like, matter of fact, the more people you get, you're like, no, the more intentional we need to become as the church. You know this, the larger and the more things that start coming at your life, the more you know this. Boy, I better get rooted in my life. That's why our goal, you'll hear us talk about this all the time here at Northside. They go, what's Northside all about? We'll say this. We are here to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. Man, because that is what God has done for us. He left heaven, came after us, and he goes, I know your sin. I see you where you are, but I am here to connect you and to bring you back to the Father. I'm here to bring you home to him. And that's why we're doing the series Rooted. That's why we encourage you to jump into a group. We've got group finder out there. Like Doug said, some of you, you waited after service and you got rooted in line waiting for a book. And uh, I just want to let you know, we've got two areas to get them. Uh, one is the resource center. And then right behind that wall uh, out there, you can pick up this book. Uh, I know my life group is excited to dive in this week as we look at week one and two. And uh, there's just so many things that are really in this that goes, God is calling us to this. And if you go, you know, Nate, what, what's rooted all about? It comes simply from this scripture. It's Colossians 2, verse 6 through 7. And listen what it says. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received him as Lord, meaning your king, the one you follow in every area of your life, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. God is saying when I start this relationship with you, it's not just enough that you would receive him. It's that you would grow to be rooted and built up into him. And last week, this is how we summarized the whole series. We said this, that if you want to move forward in your life with Jesus, if you want to move beyond some things in your life, sometimes you feel like I got to do better, I got to get better, all this other stuff. And actually, it's not about you moving forward on your own. The only way that we move forward is through our foundation. That we actually take time to go internal and to look what's in our heart and to begin to make that known to God. Matter of fact, Jesus said this, that the most important thing that we can do is to put his words into practice because when we do, he said, storms are going to come in your life. Storms are coming. And he said, and what you want to do is you want to root your life into me because when the storms come and they, they beat into your life, it won't fall because you built your house on the rock on him. But if you don't, in the storms that come, it's going to blow your house down. And your life is going to fall with a great crash. 
Last weekend, man, I was so excited to see what God did. We even had a parent meeting uh, on Sunday night with junior high and high school parents talking about where we're going. We are intentionally trying to partner with parents more than ever. We want to help them get rooted. You know, we want to walk alongside. Parents will never tell our children this. And so children, if you're in a room, don't listen. But as parents, we don't know what we're doing, right, because we've never parented before. I don't know what I'm doing with the first grader. I've never had a first grader before. And so I'm like, Jesus, help me. And he's like, here's how, Nate, here's how you get wisdom. Get rooted in me. And man, we want to partner Sunday night. I'm leaving uh, this place. My like, God, you did an amazing work. Oh, I'm so thankful. And then my wife texts me and she says, do you have time to FaceTime your son Carter? He's three years old. I'm sitting at the light right out here. And I'm tired, and I'm like, FaceTime, how about real time? I'm going to be home like in five minutes. And I went, fine, fine, you know. And so I said, I'll do it. And I backed up my car from over here, and this is what happened to my car. I got a picture of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you leave over here, look at the light pole over here, because I left some paint on it. It was dark. I didn't see it. I backed my car up. I came right around, and I'm just kind of flooring it a little bit. I'm like, I got to get out of the traffic lane. I need it, you know. And here's the first thing that came to my mind. Here's how mature I am. Thanks a lot, Carter. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Old dad wrecked the car. Now here's the deal. I'm so it's, it's fascinating. I'm talking about storms that are coming in your life. I haven't had an accident in the 20 years I've been driving. God's like, Nate, I want you to get rooted. I'm going to destroy your bumper. <laughs> so you know what my next thought was after I was like, Carter? Here's my next, this is literally the next phrase. Set right there. You know, I'm just backing up. I don't see it. Boom! Stops the car. And this is what, one of my, Carter? And then I go, really, God? Really? Really? And I can just imagine going, God, God's sitting there going, I'm not driving. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we do that? Really, God? And he's like, you're the moron here, right? You know, like, you're the one who doesn't know how to drive. You're the one who doesn't know how to back up your car. You're the one who doesn't know how to see the light poles around us. And here's what I want us to understand today, because when we get in rooted, and if you, you know, whether you're going to get in a group or not, I hope you do, but every week of the series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a big question of God. Today, we're going to look at this question of who is God? Nothing like a 6,000-year-old question to be summarized in 30 minutes, all right? So buckle up and pray for me that I actually get done in 30 minutes. So here's the deal. So this is what I've begun to realize. All of us, we question God, and the more I'm sitting there in my car, the more I'm praying and reading this week, this is what came to me. It's actually good to question God. Now, before some of you are like, back up, a lightning bolt's going to hit Nate right now. <laughs> Let me explain. It's actually good for you and I to question God. Really, God? Really? It's actually good for us. To do this. And this isn't going to be my advice. This is what we're going to find in the Bible. But here's why. Because the more we question God, the more we get to know him. And the more we dig in to go, is this really who you are? You begin to learn and see more of who he is. I love one of my favorite authors. He's an apologist. He talks about, uh, you know, the, uh, he writes apologetic books. Uh, and his name is Robbie Zacharias. And I love in one of his talks, he says this about defending God. He said, what we need to understand is this. There is a difference between questioning God and doubting God. 
He said, the more you look into the Bible, especially the Old Testament and everywhere through, he said, you will see person after person questioning God. Matter of fact, you'll see John the Baptist question Jesus when John got put into prison. He's going, really, God? I've given my life to you. I'm preaching for you. I'm leading people to you. Really, God? I'm going to be in prison. And so he sends his friends to Jesus and he asks this question, are you really the Christ or not? Because I'm in jail. And Jesus just simply sends back this answer, the blind see and the deaf hear, and the lame walk. And man, it's tough in those moments. Matter of fact, if you look at Psalm 13, it's a really short psalm. I encourage you to read it, maybe pray it this week. It's a psalm of David, and what would happen is the Israelites would pray these psalms. And so this is one of the psalms that the Israelites would pray about God. And listen how it goes. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 2, and then 5 through 6 as it wraps up this psalm. This is a psalm that David wrote, and he says this to God. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Really, God? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? He's questioning God. And then listen how he ends the psalm in verse 5 through 6. He says this, But I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. You know how he got there? That I will trust in your unfailing love. That I will sing of your salvation. And for you have been, you know how he got there? He questioned God. You know how you're going to grow over the next nine weeks? You're going to question God and go, God, where are you and where am I with you? And I want to dig in and I want to find you because God says this, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Today we're asking this question, who is God? And I want to let you know, I'm not here to like have an argument or win some debate. So I want to let you know, if you're not a follower of God, if you don't believe in God, I want to let you know you are loved. We are so glad you're here. You are loved by God, whether you believe in him or not. And we want to let you know, you have a place here. You have a seat here. These doors are open to you. I'm not here to win some argument. I'm not here to win a debate. Matter of fact, we need to dive in this together. And over the past couple of years, I know the world is asking some big questions of God. Maybe you've tried to share Christ at your work before. And you've kind of got that look like, are you serious right now? Do you, you know, I remember sometimes when we were doing uh, ministry in Las Vegas, people in our ministry would look at us and they go, you know, we'd say, you know, we'd share some story about Jesus and they go, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you know, Zacchaeus, wee little man, wee little man was he, climbed up a sycamore tree. They're going, are you on LSD? I don't know, like, I don't know what you're saying right now. And I'm like, Zacchaeus, you don't know Zacchaeus. It was amazing. And, and here's the thing, in the world sometimes, we don't understand that there's people who have never heard of God, or they are angry with God. And for a lot of them, there's a reason for them to go, here's why I don't believe in God. And as Christians, we need to take time to listen to the matter of fact, a book that really helped me understand some of the arguments against God. It was written by a Christian man. He, he does ministry in New York City. His name's uh, Dr. Tim Keller. He wrote a book, one of my favorite books two years ago that he wrote called Making Sense of God. Making sense of God. And the whole book is this. It takes arguments against God. He listens. He, he takes those arguments and then he dress, addresses it from a Christian perspective to say, here is a biblical response 
to your question because people are questioning God. And he goes, it's okay to question God. The thing that I love so much about his book is he did this. He he said too many times, he said people who don't believe in God believe that Christians only believe in faith and not reason. And then too many times Christians think that people who don't believe in God have no faith. And he said, actually, atheists and people who believe in God both operate with faith and reason. He said it goes like this. Christians will say, I saw the light. And what we're saying is, I came to faith. And then we hear Christians that walk away from the faith, they say this, I lost my faith. I lost my religion because I found truth. And he said, what we need to understand as we dialogue and as we go into the world and we talk to people about this big question, what he said we need to understand is this, that both of them have faith and reason tied together. And for an atheist, he said, what's happening is it's not that they lose their faith. He said, it's that they shift their faith. They still believe in something, but what they're believing is that God doesn't, that's their faith. They have reason, and they place their faith in it. I went, man, this is brilliant stuff for me. He began to talk about two things that he goes, we just, as Christians, a lot of times we shrink back from, and we don't know how to answer. And this is why, you know, Jesus says we need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can't be afraid of questioning God. We can't be afraid of the questions that the world presents about Jesus. But he presented two things that we need to be aware of. And I love that he said this. I never heard of this word. And I guess when you become a doctor, you can just kind of make up words. I think this is awesome. And uh, this is one of the words he said that that we need to understand the world is asking. And it's this word proofism. Proofism. Maybe somebody has said this to you. I would be happy to believe in your God but I need proof. I don't know if anybody's ever had somebody say that to you. If you can prove to me God exists, I would be happy to believe. And Dr. Keller says this, he goes, what that person who says that doesn't understand is they have no proof of why that statement is correct. It's an assertion because you can prove to them historical documents, you can prove to them this stuff, and just because you give them facts doesn't mean they'll believe. He said, we've got to begin to understand, because when people say that, they go, you know, we hear about this God, it's the God three in one. Actually, in the book, The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, he goes against God because he says, if God is creator, then who created God? And he goes, and if you can't prove that to me, I can't believe in him. And what we find is this, we have to ask the same question of Dawkins, well, prove to me who created your creator and then I'll believe in him. And science can't do that. See, this is why in the world we have to understand the questions that the world is asking about God and where they're coming from. Keller says this as well. He says another thing Christians have to be aware of and why we need to understand who God is, he said, is because there's this term called humanism, that people believe this. And he said, if you're not going to be a Christian, be at least a humanist, because people that are humanists believe this, that it's not good to oppress people. It's not good. If anybody saw the ending or or speeches at the Golden Globes, but people were celebrating that people who had been oppressing actors, sexually taking advantage of people, manipulating people, they were saying those people who have done wrong are being held accountable and we need to hold people accountable. This is in Hollywood. 
And everybody's going, yeah! And you know what we have to say to that? Prove to me why that's true. Prove it. See, this is why we need to understand there's so many questions of reason going, why does this matter? Why is it good that we love people? Why is it good that we don't oppress people? Matter of fact, in his letters from a Birmingham jail, listen what Martin Luther King Jr. says. I find this fascinating. He uses faith and reason. This is why he was one of the greatest leaders in all, not just of the church, but of all time. And listen what he says here in his letters from a Birmingham jail. He said, if there is no higher law, there would be no way to tell a particular human was unjust or not. Martin Luther King Jr. understood it wasn't just about his faith that made him a good person. It was that he used reason and faith together to say this is why civil rights matters. This is why not oppressing people of different nationality and colors matter. Because there is a higher law than just you and I. And if you're following along, you'll want to write this down. This is kind of the big idea for the sermon and where I'm going. It's simply this. The more we know who God is, the more we know who he is from his word, the more we question him, the more we will know who we are. The more you know who God is, the more you get rooted in him, the more you're going to know who you are. Matter of fact, I just want to look at three attributes. There are so many attributes. You heard a song about all the attributes of God. I just want to look at three attributes tonight of who God is. And these are big swipe, you know, kind of sweeping statements. But they are not just characteristics. They, ask, they, ask, they actually answer three big questions that we have. The first one is this. The first attribute I want to look at is that God is creator, which answers the question that you and I always ask of him and always ask of ourselves, who am I? Man, who am I? I don't know about some of you. You, you might hit a midlife crisis. I, I can't, I'm hitting one right now. I can't even speak. And, uh, and you've, done job, you've done your work for 20, 30 years, and you go, but who am I? I don't know if you saw the, the interview they had on Good Morning America with the Bears kicker that missed the field goal last week. And they asked him, they said, how are you getting through this? And I loved his answer. He said, Football is what I do. It's not who I am. He's a Christian. He's a Christian who's dealing with failure publicly. And he says, no, football, that's what I do. It's not who I am. See, this is why we need to know who God is, because when we know who God is, we'll know who we are. This is the invitation that God gives us. Matter of fact, this is what he says in Genesis chapter 1. 1, there is a faith and reason statement. And this is what it goes. This is the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything out of nothing. He created something out of nothing. He is all-powerful, outside of time and space. He is all-creator. And then listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. It said, then God said, let us, talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
This is what I love about God. God creates you and I in his image, in his likeness. Even if you don't follow him, even if you don't acknowledge him, you have infinite value and worth because you are made in his image. And the world is hearing that message right now, even if they don't agree with God, and they go, I like that message that speaks to my soul. You think? Because who God is is who we are. This is why some of you, God gives you dreams and he says, I'm calling you to create. I'm calling you to be entrepreneurial. I've gifted you. I've given you these gifts, not for yourself. The gifts are for other people. You have the gift of hospitality. You have the gift of being able to encourage. You guys, some of you can organize, man, unbelievable things. And God goes, yeah, because I made you to rule. I've given you dominion over this stuff. I have empowered you. This is who you are. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? See, until you know who God is, you won't know who you are. You want dreams for your life? Get to know God. On your deathbed, you want to look back and go, I lived that life well. Get to know God. You don't want to have any regrets? And not just the tattoo, no regrets, all right? You want to live a life where you go, I I, I didn't regret anything. Get to know God. You'll know who you are. He goes on, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over every living creature that moves on the ground. God goes, man, I want you to rule. I want you to do, I I have empowered you to go after what I have for you. Matter of fact, I saw this fascinating uh, ad Adidas put out, kind of their big ad campaign that they did last year uh, because all of us, we walk around with the image of God in us, whether we know it or not, and this was their slogan for Adidas. We are here to create. Every ad company is trying to connect with your heart and your soul. And what they're saying is this, we are here to create. And this is their mantra. This is literally, I I wrote this down. This was their message with their ad. Calling all creators, those with the need to make something new, those who question everything to invent what is yet to come, changing sport every day, a family related by mindset. And then here's how they closed it. Pull up a chair and join us. We're talking about Adidas. We're talking about a company that makes underwear. Pull up a chair. Buy some underwear. You're like, what, man? What are you talking about? Here's what companies know. If I don't reach and connect with your soul and who you are and the dreams that you have, you won't partner with me. Well, where does that come from? This comes from our image. We're image bearers of God. We reflect him. Him. Whether you know him or not, we reflect him. 
And what you find is when you read about the story, when you read in Genesis, you get to Genesis chapter 3, and what you find in Adam and Eve is this, that it was great until they quit reflecting and they forgot who God was. And so guess what happened? When we forget who God is, we forget who we are. The regrets that you have in your life, the shame that you carry, it's all tied back, mine included, to me forgetting who I am because I forgot who God was. See, this is the beauty of when we dive in to see who God is. Matter of fact, this is what Paul says in his letter to the Romans. He's explaining this story. He's trying to tell them who God is. This is what we got to understand. This question, this idea has been timeless, man, through all generations. And Paul is writing to Rome, and he's saying, let me tell you about the story. Don't forget who you are. And he writes to him in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, and he says, here's what Adam and Eve did, and here's where it went wrong. And listen to what he tells them. He said, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Well, what would they believe? What, what lie did they believe? Here's what it says. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You want to forget who you are? Worship created things rather than your creator. Just worship your God your job, your money, even this, even though it sounds good, worship your family more than God and you'll forget who you are. Just worship created things instead of your creator. See, this is why it's so important for us to ask this question, who is God? Because the more we dive into that, the more we understand, oh, no, my, my, my calling, everything that I am, and this is simply this, this is how we live out this. You go, well, well what does that mean for me? Because all of us in this room, we have all worshipped created things. We've all, I don't know what it is for you, we've all, whether it's approval, it, it could be the simple things, but you've worshipped that more than you've worshipped your creator. And you go, how do I get back to that? Romans 12.10 says this. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And then I love this. This is what the ESV says. Outdo one another in showing honor. Well, you go, how am I going to show honor to this world? How am I going to love this world? Where does love come from? You know where love comes from? Love comes from God. Read 1 John over and over again. It is about where love is and who love is. And listen what it says. This, this is how we come back. This is how we come back to understanding who our creator is. We simply honor who's honored us. God has honored you. He has made you in his image. And he's going, I love you. I've called you. What I want you to do is I want you to step into the life that I've created you for. I want you to get to know me so you can get to know yourself, so you can step into what, quit worshiping, quit serving the created things. And it doesn't mean don't do your job well. Matter of fact, you'll do your job better when you know who you are and you worship your creator rather than created things. You'll become people of integrity. We'll actually treat, imagine this, if we treated one another with honor. What a mind-blowing concept. And all of that starts when we allow God to be the center 
of our life. But all of us in this room, we're going, yeah, but Nate, I got problems, man. Right, and here's why. Here's what we need to understand. God's just not creator. God is redeemer. He's redeemer. For some of you, you know, there was a a sense of guilt and shame that came over you because you're going, oh my goodness, I know what I'm doing wrong right now. I'm serving and I'm worshiping created things rather than the creator God. And this is what God is. He is redeemer. When you look at the whole story of the Bible, it is God over and over again redeeming. And this is what he's redeeming. He's saying, here's what your hope is. Your hope is me. He goes to Moses and he says, hey, I want to deliver my people out of Egypt. I know they're enslaved. I want to pull them out. I want to save them. I want to set them free. This is who I am. Listen to what he says and describes who he is in Exodus 34. You're going, you know what, Nate? I think you're speaking too much for him. Okay, let me be quiet and you listen to what God says he is. This is who God says he is to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. And it said, and he, God passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's who he says he is. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation. What he says is this, you're not going to escape my accountability. But man, do I love from generation to I am slow to anger. I am abounding in love. I love you. And rooted in this uh, week, what it challenges you this first week, if you get into it, it'll challenge you to begin to find God in your everyday life. And this was a text my wife sent me. She drove the kids to school and she sent me this text and she said, found God today. No filter, just God. His mercies are new every day. He's Redeemer God. He's not just creator and creator and goes, you guys have messed up my world. See you later. He's creator and redeemer. He redeems, and this is what he's longing for you and I. When we begin to know who he is, this is what he wants you to know. He wants you to know, I want you to be set free. I want you to be free of what is holding you back. God's going, I want to redeem you. Will you pull up a chair and allow Jesus to set you free? He's going, I'm calling you into this. I am calling you into a new life. He is creator. He's redeemer. And you go, and this is really what I think is probably the most pinnacle high point of who God is. And you see this all throughout the scriptures. Jesus calls in this. This is over and over. This is the language that he wants to be called. Father. Father. Dad. And you know what question that answers for you and I? Who do I belong to in this world? This world is lonely sometimes, isn't it? Even if you have friends, you can feel lonely. Even if you have family, even if you have a spouse, you go, I know I've got a spouse, I know I've got kids. Man, my soul is just lonely. See, this is why God says, I'm creator, I'm redeemer, and I am father. This is how Jesus refers to him and his Lord's Prayer. That's what he calls him, right? Our Father in heaven. 
And what he says is this, hallowed be your name, which he says this, I honor your name. I know you've honored me. I honor you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? Heaven. He goes, you're my father. You know how Jesus had peace on this earth? He knew who his father was. We know who God is. We'll know who we are. Jesus knew who he was because he knew his heavenly father. He knew his heavenly father. He knew I had a seat at the table. My father has called me to him. Listen what it says in Psalm 68 verse 5. It describes who God is. Listen what the scriptures say in Psalm 68 verse 5. He says he is a father to the fatherless. You don't have a dad? God goes, good, let me be your dad. And matter of fact, he also says this. Even your earthly father is not perfect. So let me be your perfect heavenly father. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of the widows. And God is, is God in his holy dwelling. God is the originator of protecting his creation. Why should we not oppress people? Why should we not take advantage of people? Because that is who God is. When you know God, you'll know who you are. So who's God to you? And who, and the attribute of God, do you need to get rooted in? Is it creator, so you can know who you are? Is it redeemer, so you can have hope once again in this world? Or is it for you to get rooted in knowing your heavenly Father, so you can know who you belong to? I talked to Ben, our, uh, Ben Woods, he's our college-age pastor here. Took 133 of the kiddos down to a big conference in Atlanta, gathered with other, over 40,000 other college-age students to worship Jesus. And he came back and I said, Ben, tell me about it. He said, it was great. He said, one of the best talks we didn't see coming. I said, what was it? They said they talked about raising a fatherless generation in America. I said, a fatherless generation? He said, yeah, all the studies are showing more and more how America is becoming a fatherless generation. And here's what Satan loves to do. If we can steal the picture of a father here on earth, we will not know the picture of our heavenly father. I began to do a little bit of research on this, and I researched this, and in 2015, the Pew Social did this study. I was blown away by the stat. 48% of kids today do not live with two married parents. 48%, half. Half. Don't experience this. Don't see this. And when you don't know a family, a father, and a mother, you begin to wonder who you are. And then you go, I guess I got to create who I am. Listen to what John says. We, we talked about this at Christmas. Good news is this Christmas isn't over. It continues to go on. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says this about Jesus. It says, yet to all who received, to all who didn't just earn Jesus, but received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know that when you accept Jesus, that's who you are? You're a child of God. Pull up a chair, God says. 
join me. You know what he says to you and I? You want to know who God is? This is the phrase, as I was reading over this passage, that we get to become his children. This is the phrase that God wants to give me and wants to give you today. Simply this. Come home. Come home. You want to get rooted? I mean, I got to clean myself up. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit doing this stuff. You know, I've got to... Come home. Because when you come home to God, you will know who you are. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you deal with the tough questions in this world. That Jesus, you allow us to ask tough questions of you and that doesn't drive you away. And so, Father, I pray as we begin to dive in this week, as we look at this workbook, as we look at your word, Father, as we begin to look at our own hearts and our own minds, Father, that more than looking at us, we would look to you. That we would dive deep into who you are and we would allow you to speak deeply into who we are. And so, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming and bringing the hope and the love and the grace of God to this earth so that we can come home to who we were made to be. Jesus, would you protect us this week? Would you hold us together in those moments when we try to hold ourselves together in the way we have life and peace and hope and joy because we have you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's get rooted this week, everybody. God bless you.